0: Welcome to Below the Berg. The podcast focused on providing a platform to showcase ambitious college-aged people currently elevating their educational experiences via internships, startups, or simply doing their own thing. My name is Evan Paysuit. Today, I am accompanied with Flynn. How do you say your last name? Lamonier. Lamonier. I am very glad I <laughs> asked you. No <Don't laughs> worries, man. All righty. So, Flynn, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay, so I am a uh, junior slash senior, however you want to uh, put that, um, in electrical engineering technology. Uh, I have a massive passion for music and audio, and uh, I'm originally from Northwest Indiana, and uh, yeah, so I go here to, at Purdue.
0: Awesome. So the reason I have Flynn on here today is he has one of the most just very internship internship stories. It's <laughs> It just shows the nature of how sporadically internships come about and how much of a massive impact they can have on your life so let's so let's start off with the very first one that kind of got the whole ball rolling
1: the um the tyco one or yeah, the, yeah 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 so um so yeah so after my sophomore year at purdue uh i went to industrial roundtable our kind of engineering career fair that we have here um And ended up with an internship with a company called uh, Exact Technologies, which is part of a larger brand called Tyco Security Products.
0: At this career fair, was it the IR? Yeah, yeah, this was Industrial
1: Roundtable, yeah. Um, So I ended up with a summer internship with them. It was really cool, I was working with security cameras uh, and security camera software and stuff like that. Uh, But I realized with my three months there that while I, I enjoyed what I did and while it was really cool, it wasn't something that I like, was totally passionate about and loved. Um, and one of the things I discovered was that I n- kind of need a little bit of that in my life. I mm-hmm. really need to be passionate about what I do or I become really apathetic really mm-hmm. quickly.
0: So one thing, how much technical experience did you bring into that internship? Was Not this? a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Was this after freshman year, right?
1: Uh, this was, I, I went there after my sophomore year, but I had basically just finished my freshman year when I, Went to IR, so it was like okay. September of my sophomore year. Gotcha. So interviewing, I didn't have a lot of technical experience, but they took a, a risk on me. And uh,
0: isn't it, that the best? Yeah, it's it's kind of awesome. Yeah. You,
1: you always take that first one really for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone who the just, first
0: one is always just for all those first first internship offers. Mm-hmm. I I thank all of you so much because <laughs> you realize how little you actually had, yeah, and how much you left with. And totally. it, it just does not compute to how companies do that, but it just, and it's it was, a big thing.
1: It was the best learning experience ever for me. Like, I got to learn mm-hmm. about how it was, what it was like being in the workplace, what it was like being in the engineering field, uh, having coworkers workers in, like, a set team that you would work with, not just for, like, a couple weeks on a school project, but, like, these are the people that you'll have with for three months, and you really treat it like these are your coworkers, you know, until otherwise stated.
0: Now, was this a... Sp- Specific electrical engineering or electrical engineering tech? Uh,
1: so at this time, I was actually electrical engineering. Uh, okay. I wasn't electrical engineering technology. Now, did um, it sway you towards the tech side? You yeah, think? actually, it, it did. So um, it was kind of a little bit of both. Uh, but my manager had his degree in electrical engineering technology from Purdue. Uh, and that helped break a little bit of the stigma okay. between the two. That's what I wanted to hear. That is yeah. exactly what I wanted to hear. You, know, and you uh, found
0: out what was doable what was, what was doable. And that it's still possible to get there exactly with a different degree.
1: And, and I talked with him about it and he's like, yeah, it didn't hold me back at all. like in the real world, no one cares. Um, and there's actually specific differences between the two majors um, uh, which is a whole other story which probably doesn't <laughs> we don't need to totally get into here. Um, but it's really interesting how the split happened Uh but I, I found that I was more geared towards those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically as soon as the internship ended, came back to Purdue and, uh, changed my major over to engineering technology because... Now one
0: thing, so when you get back on, so when you get back onto Purdue's campus Mm -hmm. and you come back from an internship, I don't know, but for me, I came back with so much confidence. Totally. Like my confidence level was through the roof. Like I walked into Purdue going, oh boy, should I have transferred? (laughs) <laughs> should I have transferred to Purdue I don't know and then after that year of like year of year of internship where I proved myself for 3 months and I was just kind of groomed by someone else in the field mm-hmm. and I don't know but I think one thing that they really focused on was acknowledging that you did something well and then they kind of just said hey you did something well be confident about that like take pride in something that you just did something well and yeah. I think at school you're constantly in better words, humbled. You're constantly yeah. humbled.
1: <laughs> oh, Purdue has a way of humbling students. I'm not
0: uh, saying anything negative. It humbles you, it, no it doubt. Does.
1: Well, especially at a, at a school like Purdue and especially Purdue Engineering, everyone here was, you know, top of their class. We were all the smart kids back in high school, and then you get here, and you know, it was my when math my, was easy. Yeah. I mean, my mom, my mom always taught me this is like, you always want to try to rise to a level of incompetence. Like you want to keep going up and up until you feel like you are no longer, not even the smartest person in the room, but not even in the smartest half of the people in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Well, it goes back to surrounding yourself <laughs> exactly. with the right type of people. Um, and the,
0: and I think, I mean, and I think internships do that. They surround yourself with people who have. Exactly. And just an extraordinary amount of experience Almost that you by, don't by have. By
1: definition, the intern is the low man on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. And not just by being there the shortest amount of time. You're the one who knows the least. Mm-hmm. You're an intern. Um, the other thing, though, that, that coming off the internship, going back to school gave me was I looked at all my classes as not just learning, but application. Because it wasn't just, you know, oh, I'm learning this because school is telling me to. Or to to move ahead in my degree, it's like I'm learning this because I want to use it in the workplace. That's
0: interesting because for me, I felt like I did the opposite. I felt like really? I brought my internship skills to help me do better in school. In which it would be like, and I hear it either way. I mm-hmm. hear. I mean, it really just depends on the internship style and how progressive your major is in terms of getting into the real content early into your career. Yeah. But I feel like for engineering, you don't get into your specific focus until about junior year.
1: Yeah. yeah so if you're doing
0: internships in your focused area, you will come back into your junior year with a good bit of experience that can help you get into those first specific courses.
1: Yeah. And I think that actually gives a, a great turning point into uh, what happened from there of finding your focus. OK, let's so, dive into it. All right. Let's go for it. All right. So uh, fast forward to junior year. Uh, so come off the the internship, I have my uh, right back at IR again the following September, and I l- knowing what I had known that I wanted something I was a little bit more passionate about. I was much pickier about the company as I talked to at Industrial Roundtable at, at IR. Um,
0: now, is that a sort of arrogance, or was it just a sort of being? being sure and aware of what you want and you don't was, want to waste I your think time. I think it was
1: more of the the second one and knowing, yeah, exactly. I, knowing what I wanted, you know, and having a little bit more confidence. You know, I was no longer the person with no experience. Mm-hmm. I had something under my belt. Um, but it kind of cost me because at Industrial Roundtable, I got nothing. <laughs> you know, it mm-hmm. it was really weird coming off the first one where, you know, I had two or three interviews and got a position to the second year getting nothing. And so... Now,
0: how was the feedback?
1: It was different. One of the things is I, I handed out a whole lot less l- resumes. I, the year where I got an internship, seriously, I probably passed out about 40 resumes of mine. Wow. You know, I just... Everyone. I, I was going to every company trying to see if they would give me something. Uh, and the second year, I probably had less than 10. Um, Might have been a, at about 10... Uh, maybe if you take out some of the ones where it was like, I'm going up to them just to kind of warm up my pitch to companies. Um,
0: now was this, was this knowing that you had an internship kind of, kind of in safe keeping from your old one? Not really. Or was this just, I know what I want. It was, it was that, it was the
1: latter. I knew what I wanted. Um, you know, I didn't obviously. I didn't know that the the company I had before would be safe. They actually didn't uh, attend IR th- that second year. Mm-hmm. So, this was really just me being risky, Uh and I got nothing back. So around October, November, then I started spamming the internet with my resume. <laughs> um,
0: what were your main uh, sites or sources? Were, I knew were you a LinkedIn w- person, or where you know, did you go?
1: I never had a lot of faith in LinkedIn. I, I like it for a lot of specific things, and I think it's a nice professional version of a social media. Um, but I don't know how great it is for people actually trying to find internships. Um,
0: I agree. I agree with that. It's a, great, it's a great place to showcase where you want to go, and, where you, and it's a great snapshot of where you are currently at for your career. Exactly. But internships, I don't think it's there.
1: Yeah, and I and I don't know either way. It just it hasn't been that for me. Uh, so what I was really doing was I was just googling away and trying to find companies I wanted to work for. I'd had a passion for music and recording um, for okay. a long time.
0: If I was Google, mm-hmm. what was the first first like three searches you did? Because like um, where do you start with this? I mean, <laughs> like what are what are Flynn's. Google keywords
1: uh, so I went for specific companies so mm-hmm. I would type in like you know fill-in-the-blank company internships uh, or co-ops uh, and some of those companies were uh, sure who was already yeah, at the microphones I, yeah, right yeah who was already at IR um, Sennheiser uh, blue microphones um, so you already knew
0: the audio yeah. industry was kind of where you wanted to go
1: I knew that was where I wanted to go and I knew companies that I liked uh, one of those companies was a company called Slate Digital and they make um, specifically hardware and software for music recording. Um, they make audio plugins for music producers and recording engineers oh, excuse me and they uh, they also make microphones and uh, control services for making music um, and I'd been really interested in them they have uh, a really charismatic, cool CEO named Stephen Slate, who the company is named after.
0: How did you first hear about Slate?
1: Uh, so I owned one of their products. I own okay. Stephen Slate Drums, which is a, a That's, drum synthesizer product. I
0: cannot even begin to tell you how <laughs> cool that is. Yeah. Have uh, you found a fascination for what they create?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you just go, I mean, and you have that confidence to go, okay, yeah, I want to work for you. Yeah.
1: Um, and that's so freaking (laughs) cool. The way it happened was, was even more, it was so 21st century. Um, I literally sent their Facebook page a message. I couldn't find a contact email. And so I literally sent a Facebook message that was, you know, to paraphrase, hi, my name's Flynn. Uh, this is what I study. This is what I have a passion for. I think your company is really cool. This is what I think I could bring to the table. Do you have anything? Um, and then what happened from there was even crazier. So the guy who was in charge of that sort of program and that sort of search at the company uh, tried to reach out to me on Facebook from his personal profile. We obviously were not friends on Facebook, so it got lost in the spam filters of Facebook. He then basically cyber stalked me, <laughs> um, found out uh, at the time I worked for ITAP here at Purdue, mm-hmm. found their page, contacted them, said, I want to get in contact with this person. Can you give me their uh, contact info. They gave him uh, my Purdue email address, and then he shot now, me. Now, were you email.
0: active on LinkedIn at the time?
1: Not really. A little bit. Because that would
0: be a scenario where I could think maybe LinkedIn would be. Yeah, it probably oh, would have worked pretty hey, well. Maybe We could, you know, link it up through um, LinkedIn. No pun intended, but.
1: But you know, my LinkedIn like wasn't on my Facebook or anything publicly oh, that I okay, could, like. I yeah. don't. I don't think there was like a link on my profile that said yeah. this. Uh, but this was the path he took. So he he got my my Purdue email from. ITAP from because I worked there uh,
0: and ITAP is
1: ITAP is our uh, like computer information technology they run all the computer labs mm-hmm. um, so I worked for them kind of supervising some of the computer labs uh, but anyways I'm actually I'm sitting uh, at a computer lab one day and I just get this email from a guy named Nick Alberti uh, at uh, at Slate <laughs> and it's basically saying hey I got your Facebook uh, message what uh, we have something that we just stopped looking for because we didn't find anyone. Can you send me your resume? And I don't think I've ever had my resume to someone faster. Oh <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was seriously, it was probably like less than 15 minutes. I like pulled up my resume, made a cute uh, couple quick edits, um, and had it off to him. And then not even 30 minutes later, my phone goes off. No way. They, I, I swear to God. Um, Yeah, like. At that moment,
0: at that moment, what's going through your head?
1: Oh, I'm freaking out. I was, I was totally freaking out. I I remember in my
0: first phone interview, my leg was thumping. I was, I mean, (laughs) like everything just. So was it just a one person phone call, or was it where you had three different people? At this
1: point, it was just one person. That's Um, nice.
0: I, honestly, I would almost rather recommend a one on one phone call to start it off, because if you're talking to a relatively new student Mm -hmm. within the first two years, in And you all of a sudden bring on three people on a phone call,
1: especially out of the blue like that. You're going to
0: be, yeah, you're going to be deer in the headlights.
1: Absolutely. Because you uh, don't know
0: who to talk to. You know, you don't really know (laughs) who to connect with first Mm -hmm. because I feel like you need to connect at some point with these people and you connect and you can't connect with three people in your first phone call as easily as you could just a genuine one-on-one to just dip the toe Mm -hmm. in the water. Hey, this is what we're about. This is what we're offering. What are you all about?
1: Especially since it was still relatively a, a cold connection. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know who this person was. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had just gotten an email from them 30 minutes ago.
0: So now, did he come off genuine in the phone call?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he he came off really genuine and, and really interested and um, basically just described to me uh, that they had been looking for a hardware intern and they had just stopped looking because they didn't think they were going to find anyone who fit what they wanted uh and my Facebook message happened to basically be the description of mm. they wanted an engineering student uh who had a passion for audio but whose main focus was engineering. You know, it wasn't a music producer who like picked up Ohm's Law on the side <laughs> or something. Uh, which <laughs> is honestly picked what up a, Ohm's law on the which side which is which is a lot of what uh some of the, the music industry is is it's it's record producers and, and recording engineers who picked up some of the engineering on the side. Uh, because they saw the shift in the music industry and how it moved to home recording. Um,
0: is that where you see it now?
1: Oh, totally. The industry is going to move more and more to the individual doing things um, because the playing field has been leveled so much. Uh, a recording console 20 years ago, what it would have taken to really record a full professional album, you were looking at well over $300,000. But, but today, it, it, it's so much cheaper. You can get started for like 100 mm-hmm. bucks and just have a, a two-channel interface at home and start recording.
0: That's insane. So let's, so let's flash forward. So, well, okay, the phone call. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously left a good impression. Yeah. Uh, yeah what yeah. was the next move from him?
1: So he basically said, I'm going to pass your resume to our hardware manager. Uh, and then the next day, he sent me an email, uh, when can you interview uh, and so this was Friday and I said I could interview anytime next week. He's like, how about Monday? So we're talking Thursday to Monday. This is like the first week of December also to to put some perspective. I interview on Monday, two weeks later, I get the official yes, um, from them. And
0: so what type is, of impact does that have on your second semester?
1: That was the crazy part was, uh, there was no second semester from that point. I actually left in January. You
0: just went... Yeah. Your first ticket out to what California, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually drove, yeah. That's so incredible.
0: A Facebook
1: A Facebook message. A Facebook message. A month later turned into driving out to California.
0: Now uh, what did your mom or or, or uh or <laughs> uh, like or your parents say about that? Because mine definitely would be red flags.
1: You know, like I, like I what told happens my mom what happens? I told my mom immediately, like after I got off the phone with with Nick from Slate, my first phone call was to my mom. I was like this just happened, this might happen. And she was like, wow, that's really cool. And I'm like, by the way, the position starts at the beginning of January. And she's like, okay, let's do it.
0: That's awesome. And my, my mom, has your mom I, always been that big of a supporter for you? Yeah,
1: my mom is amazing. My that's mom awesome. has been like my number one fan forever. Um, and she's, she's supported me in so many things. It's been great. Uh, and then when I got the position, it was like finals week of fall semester. And so it was like Wednesday of finals week, I think I got the okay I, the next day went into my academic advisor's office and said, I'm taking next semester off or I'm doing part-time online because I got this position in California. And she was, my advisor was floored, but super happy for me.
0: Floored in a good way.
1: Yeah. I mean, she was just kind of like, she was kind of panicked. She was like, okay, we have to figure out where well, to Well, just
0: think, so <laughs> in her mind, she's been prepping for, okay, Flynn's yeah. doing this next year, but you don't want to hold back what, College is all about college is to get you to that point exactly, and you just fast tracked it in a semester, (laughs) yeah, from a Facebook message. So she can't be in that position where I mean, like, she could have been in the position where, well, you need to stay on track or go for it. That's awesome that she supported that.
1: My advisor was super in support of it, Uh, and she basically said, Okay, if you have the official offer letter. You know, at that point, I'd already signed up for classes for spring semester. Um, And she's like, let's go in and change your schedule. Uh, And I got signed up for a couple online classes so I wouldn't fall too far behind. Uh, And I took those classes online and spent the next seven months in California working with them.
0: Okay, so we have a little bit of time left here. So let's let's break down into (laughs) those seven months. How long do you think it took to kind of get your footing in at Slate?
1: You know... I think the first time I really felt comfortable and like like it was a totally this is exactly what I want to do was at a thing called NAM. Uh And Nam is a big music conference, usually uh, every February, usually towards the end of February. Um, and pretty much every big music retailer goes. And it's like the biggest trade show. Uh, so at this point, I had been there for about a month, maybe about two months. Um, actually I think Nam is usually end of July or early February, but, uh, beside the point I hadn't been there super long and I helped work the trade show and gave demos on products and gave technical explanations and kind of interfaced with customers as a representative. So you were hands on with the product. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I was giving demonstrations to people. Uh, some, some people who were like high ups in the music industry. Like, uh, but
0: that's you know. the beautiful thing about you is that like you have kind of helped me with some of my audio stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can break it down so well, like you have this ability to take, I mean, but I think that's like the sheer, I mean, like, I think that's like the pure form of intelligence of where no matter where you're like, no matter where you are currently at, mm-hmm. you can take it and break it down or bring it up to wherever the person is listening can actually handle and digest that information
1: yeah and I think one of the things that uh, that is really important with trying to explain things to people is taking note of what they are and aren't getting the hang of so like if I say something like compression like audio compression and someone doesn't know what I'm talking about I know that I need to go more basic terms.
0: You know your first step. It's like that decision Mm -hmm. tree. It's like, okay, where where are we at? Yeah, you know, explaining audio concepts
1: to someone who doesn't know anything about audio is totally different than explaining audio concepts to someone who runs a recording Mm -hmm. studio.
0: Well, you are (laughs) in this unique field where I'm a person that I need to see and feel things. Mm -hmm. And audio and electronics (laughs) are that you can't do (laughs) either. Yeah. You You really can't feel it or see it you Audio's can hear it uh, but like it's that sensory that just gets lost mm-hmm. and it's so hard for me to conceptualize and i think people either have it or they don't i mean you can build it for like that's for sure mm-hmm. but i feel like some people are more adept to that understanding of it like you have
1: yeah i i mean it's
0: so back to the conference i just thought yeah. that was really cool because you <laughs> no, have that I, ability I, like this i mean it's just awesome
1: yeah so so the conference really made me feel like I belonged and it was also a moment where I got to meet more people at the company and I got good positive feedback. Like I I had people saying you did a really good job. You, you know, you really helped out and I got to see my impact. Um, and from that point on it was kind of a moment where I know this is what I want to do as I want to work in audio. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was early on in the process. So that was, like February, and I stayed in California with that company till July hmm um, and then they actually uh they hired me back on after I came back to school part time so I, I work for them a little bit remote now
0: mm-hmm. um, and then you'll be kind kind of doing something remote again this summer, correct yeah,
1: yeah, I'm still working with them remote uh, mm-hmm. right now, and I'll be working with them continuing over the summer and everything
0: so knowing where you are where you are currently at with this mm-hmm. with this pursuit and it seems like music is the industry that you are, that you are the, most, the most set on. And mm-hmm. you can see that being your, that's where you want to be. Would you have done it all over again differently in terms of schooling? Because you started with tech and then engineering and then tech. Where do you think that transition helped you or hurt you?
1: You know, I think it helped me because I actually came in thinking mechanical. Uh, I started in mechanical engineering technology, moved over to first-year engineering, which is like a slightly different program, but they start all engineers in in the same program. Uh, And through that process, discovered I liked electrical more. Mm -hmm. And there's not as much a place for mechanical engineers in audio. Um, There obviously is in some uh, respects like, you know chassis design, but it's a lot of it is electrical, and so if I hadn't started where I had, and then moved around to f- first year engineering, electrical engineering, and then back over to engineering tech, I don't know where I'd be. And so I th- I think my specific path it it somewhat had to happen that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's pretty incredible. So if you were to if you were to if you were to have your own class that you would create, okay. or your own major that you would that you would kind of combine certain aspects of things that you like, what would that major or course look like?
1: If it was a course, I think the course that is most needed that I I would appreciate is like an ambition course. So not even related to engineering, but knowing
0: how to foster it maybe and then find direction with it,
1: knowing how to, how to find what you're passionate about and how to go out and get it. Mm-hmm. because I, I think a lot of people struggle with, you know, like we talk about getting that first internship or getting the experience in the first place. Cause it's, it's hard. It's really hard to get a company to take a chance on you. Um, so if it was a course, I think that would be the thing that I feel like a lot of people need as far as a major. A I think major, people
0: have that passion. Yeah. But it's, how do you, how do you handle it? How do you package it? How do you show it to a company this is, this is what I'm passionate about. Here's yeah. my ambition. Take a risk on me here. Exactly. I don't think people have that, have that, have that ability to package it as nicely. Some people differ in that ability, but mm-hmm. I think it's the people who package their passion with their ambition and showcase it to a company, those are the ones that get the internships because there's a clear line of where they want to go.
1: Well, and, and learning how to talk about what you love to people who don't know about it. You know, we all know how to that's talk very about, well said. Yeah, that's we all know well how said. to talk about things that we like with other people who, who like that, it. Yeah. You know? If you like video games, you know how to talk video games to your friends. If you like cars, you know how to talk car th- stuff to car people. If you like music, you know how to talk music to music people. But what happens when you're a car person and you try to talk cars to someone who's not a car person? How do you make the discussion? Still engaging. How do you portray your passions without coming off too much of a know-it-all? Too mm-hmm. much of a,
0: or too much of. Um, sometimes when you talk about that stuff, when you have so much expertise, you kind of, not knowingly, you create this. You create this distance, mm-hmm. like you would never be able to get to that point of knowledge. Yeah. But when you break it down to simpler things, they feel like, oh, okay, baby step. Let me just get here. And then once I get to this point of understanding, mm-hmm. then I can get to the next point. And you can slowly build up to it. But when an expert talks down to someone who is a novice that doesn't really fully grasp it, that distance can be so oh, yeah. so great, so far in between, that you would feel like you would never be able to understand it or get to that point.
1: Exactly. I mean, not everyone who's good at something is meant to be a teacher, you know, like some people are really good at something, but they couldn't explain it to someone else, or they maybe just don't have that kind of skill of being able to teach someone else. Uh, and some people who are even good at teaching things to other people may not be the absolute best in their field.
0: Sometimes even the idea of, of, of intelligence and knowing something I've heard of, you were only as intelligent as you can teach something. Like, yeah, it, it's like I feel like teaching builds that understanding so much better, mm-hmm. if you can't teach it to someone else, then what is that information really doing here?
1: Yeah. Or like the idea that like your idea is only as good as you can explain it to someone else. Yeah, exactly. And like, um, yeah, like if you've got a great idea for an app or a website or or something, how do you articulate what it is to someone else so that it makes sense? But I think that's a skill that a lot of people could. That's a course within itself. Yeah. That is a
0: course within itself undoubtedly.
1: Because I think the thing that I, I talked with to Tyco, the first company who took a chance on me, I think it, it was music. You know, I had, I had built some guitars. They weren't great, but I'd, I'd built two guitars when I was in high school. And I, I remember talking about that and like, you know, learning how to wire up the guitar, you know, like researching it and doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that may have been, I'm trying to remember, of course I'm trying to remember something Mm -hmm. from over two years ago, but, (laughs) um, that may have been one of the things that I talked about that made them think this is what, like this kid knows how to articulate ideas.
0: Mm -hmm. That's incredible.
1: Uh, and hopefully I'm, I'm hoping that showcased that I knew how to work in a team. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Yeah, I I mean, that's it right there. (laughs) That's it. I love it. Flynn, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, yeah, like that's incredible. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And that is it for another episode of Below the Berg, where we connect with tomorrow's trailblazers today. Let's get it.